our Bible reading today is from Matthew chapter 27, verses 15 to 57. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas, or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said, it is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers round him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking the, their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. 
About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As Langdon said earlier, I'm Robin. If I've not met you before, it's great to be with you here today on this good Friday. And I want to ask you to consider what kind of world you would like to live in. A world of peace, a world of love, a world of justice. Or would you prefer to live in a world of war, a world of rebellion, a world of murder. On the face of it, it's an obvious and simple question. But actually, life is built of a series of small decisions over time. And every one of our decisions matters in relation to the world. But every one of those small decisions ultimately is based on one big decision. And that decision is what we make of Jesus Messiah, what we make of Jesus Messiah. And this Good Friday, you decide, what will you make of Jesus? And in doing so, which way of life will you align with? When we're reading from the Bible, this is God's Word. He has inspired it as we read it we need his help. So I'm going to pray. I wonder if you would join me in speaking to our Father in heaven. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the way in which every word in the Bible ultimately points to the person of Jesus Messiah. How we pray that your Spirit who is with us would gently but clearly affirm in us our understanding of who Jesus is, in our minds, in our hearts, in the very souls within us which cling to the dust. Father, we pray that you would move us in our decision for Jesus, that his influence and power might work out in our lives, individually and together, to be people of peace and people of love and people of justice. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today the scene has been set. We have Jesus in the presence of Pontius Pilate and the account of his trial and crucifixion. And the scene sets us up for an eternity-changing election. It's a trial in which you decide, will it be Jesus Barabbas, which means salvation for the son of the fathers, the one who is a rebel, the one who is a murderer, or will it be a decision for Jesus Messiah, which means salvation through the anointed Son of God, the chosen one of God? Because according to Roman rule, Jesus Barabbas was in prison because he was guilty of crimes, and his crimes deserved death. Jesus, on the other hand, according to Jewish law, in claiming to be Messiah, the chosen one, the Son of God, he had crimes, according to some who understood the Word of God, as being deserving of death. Jesus had made a unique claim. He'd claimed to be the Lord. He claimed to be God's chosen one. And amongst the people of God, this was deemed to be blasphemy, deserving of Jesus' death. And that's why the religious politicians and the temple policemen had brought Jesus before Pontius Pilate, the most powerful ruler in the region, because he was a ruler of Rome. Only Pilate had the authority to demand a man's life from him. The people of God did not have such a right. They took Jesus to Pilate, and they said he deserves to die but Jesus was undeserving of death according to any Roman crime. According to Jewish law, according to Torah, no human could possibly be God. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then we read in John chapter 10, verse 33, how those religious politicians came to Jesus and accused him of blasphemy, quote, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. This religious mob wanted to kill Jesus because he claimed to be God. And my first question for you today is, did you know that Jesus made this claim? That he claims to be God in the flesh. Jesus claims to be God in person. Now, these are either the ravings of a lunatic, a delusional man, somebody worthy of our pity and our compassion, or they are the words of a liar, a deceiver, a fraud, who deserves our contempt and our rejection, or they are indeed the words of the Lord God. And if they are true, they are deserving of our full attention. So here we are at the trial. Jesus stood before this Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says back to him, well, you say so. And when he was then asked by the religious politicians and the temple police, there was silence. Imagine this scene. Pilate has the power. 
Here's the, uh, the religious people. They're asking Jesus, and he says nothing. And Pilate says to them, do you hear their testimony against you? They're bringing this against you. But, but Jesus made no reply. Not a word. You can imagine Pilate looking at this man going, wow, this is real will to power moment. This guy's not bowing the knee before these so-called authorities. He's made an impression on Pilate. And it's at a time when it was the Passover. The Passover, uh, a Jewish festival celebration for God's grace in saving them. Indeed, it is Passover right now. And still, Jews remember God's grace to his people in bringing them out of slavery from Egypt. And God's promises that one day he would bring them out of the fullness of slavery for all eternity. He would save them and be with them forever. This is the Passover, and it was Pilate's custom at Passover to release a prisoner, verse 15, chosen by the crowd. And of course, there's infamous, infamous Jesus Barabbas. He's in prison. He's a rebel. He's a murderer. He's a battler. Think Ned Kelly. And the crowd are getting behind him. And they've gathered. And Pilate says to them, whom shall I set free? And they say, Barabbas, the murderer, the rebel, the guilty one. Pilate says, what of Jesus Messiah, the healer, the preacher, the innocent one? No, they say, kill him, crucify him. And Pilate's there knowing that they've handed Jesus over to him out of their jealousy for him. See, Pilate also, we read, was warned by his wife, and he needs to listen to his wife because she's had a dream about Jesus. She's had a dream about Jesus as being an innocent man, and she's been troubled by him, verse 19. But the religious politicians and the temple policemen are there persuading the crowd otherwise. They persuaded the crowd to ask for Jesus Barabbas and to have Jesus crucified, verses 20 to 23. And it gets to this point where the crowd is rising up so that Pilate can no longer listen. And he just has to make a decision. And you remember that moment he, he says, um, I am innocent of this man's blood. And he washes his hands symbolically and says, this is your responsibility. Now that's a furphy because he had all the power and he was responsible. But all the people answered Pilate and said, yes, his blood is upon us and upon our children. And so Pilate released Barabbas. He released the rebel, the guilty one, the murderer, and he had the innocent one, the healer, the preacher, flogged and prepared for crucifixion, verses 24 to 26. And the one who went free despite his crimes of rebellion and murder, Jesus Barabbas. And, and the one who went to the cross, the crucifixion, for the crime of blasphemy and claiming to be God's son, Jesus Messiah. 
Jesus Messiah went to the cross in place of Jesus Barabbas. And maybe Barabbas understood the weight of this, that Jesus Messiah would die in his place, would die for him. The people chose for Barabbas to go free and they chose for Jesus Messiah to die and Barabbas did not get what he deserved. The murderous rebel did not get justice. He did not get his punishment. Now, I've got to ask you that question I asked at the beginning again. Is that fair? Is that right? Is that the kind of world that you want to live in? Where not only the one who's guilty gets set free, but the innocent one gets put up on a cross in place of the one who did the crimes. He was murdered, Jesus, Messiah. It's not a world of peace, is it? It's not a world of love. It's not a world of justice. That's a world of war and rebellion and murder. The death of an innocent man is not right. And how much more, can I ask you, if indeed that man was the Son of God? Where does that leave us? Leaves us asking, well, why? Why should he die? For what reason did he die? You might be the sort of person person who's asking, why is it that followers of Jesus call today Good Friday? What's wrong with these people? It's Grim Friday. It's Dark Friday. It's Bad Friday. Unless something good was achieved in the death of this innocent man who is God's son. Because you remember we had read for us in verses 27 to 31, the soldiers mocked him as the son of God and they put a crown of thorns and twisted it upon his head. And he was so weak from their relentless beating that on his way up to the crucifixion, he had to hand over the cross he was carrying to another man to be able to get it up there. And then they posted the charges that had been made against him. And the only thing for which he was guilty was exactly what it said above his head. This is the king of the Jews. And then they challenged him and said, if you're really the son of God, save yourself. Come down now off the cross. In the midst of that mockery, though, the very creation itself testifies to who it is who is on the cross. The signs were there to confirm who Jesus was, that Jesus Messiah was and is the Son of God. The very earth itself turned dark. Jesus, who was abandoned by God on the cross for our sins as he breathed his last, the final barrier between mankind in our imperfection and God in his perfection was gone. It was symbolized by the curtain in the temple being torn supernaturally in two so that fallen and broken mankind can come into the presence of a holy God and forgiveness could be offered in Jesus' name. There was trouble in the temple. There was darkness over the land. There was an earthquake. And even more, we read that the people who had died had been raised to life as Jesus was raised. And the Roman soldier who had stood there to guard the bodies as Jesus was hung there in place of Barabbas between two further rebels testified to say, and we read about his experience throughout the testimony of Matthew, this man truly is the Son of God. He declares that and decides for Jesus, what of you? What is your decision concerning Jesus and who he is? Is he the Son of God? See, the reason followers of Jesus call this day Good Friday is because it is so good for us 
Barabbas was a bad man. He had rebelled against Rome. He had murdered people. He deserved to die on a cross for his sins, for the things he had done wrong before God, sins falling short of the goodness of God, sins people doing what God says is wrong. And we hear nothing of Barabbas after his release. How was he feeling about this? Jesus, Messiah, taking his punishment he deserved for his sins. But we are told how Jesus goes to the cross, not just for the sins of Barabbas, but that he goes for the sins of others. He goes for the sins of everyone. Jesus Messiah died on the cross for your sins and my sins. A prophet speaking hundreds of years before Jesus arrived into the world with the power of the Spirit of God who helped him to write these words called Isaiah chapter 53. There was nothing about this Messiah, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered and who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him and thought he was scum. But the fact is that our pains he carried. Our sins, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins... Isaiah says, he took the punishment and that has made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're like sheep who've wandered off, each of us going our own way. But God has piled all our sins, everything we've done on him, on him, that we may know forgiveness and go free just like Barabbas. You see, God swaps his son Jesus' life for yours and mine. Jesus goes to the cross for our sins. I think the worst thing in the world is to be cut off from somebody you love. Jesus loved his heavenly father and his father in heaven loved him as his son and on that moment on the cross, they were cut off from one another. The most intimate relationship between father and son in history, this excruciating cutting off and Jesus was cut off from his heavenly father for us. He became sin for us on the cross. Jesus took our place to make us right with God and to bring us forgiveness for our sins, our rebellion. Because in our hearts, we constantly push God away. You may be able to say of yourself you're a rebel, but you're not a murderer, right? I mean, maybe. Certainly, I know that in my heart, I've given thought to that sort of murderous intent in my history. But when I begin to realize that my sins put Jesus on the cross and he died for me, does that not make me a murderer? A rebel and a murderer, just like Barabbas, I murdered the Son of God. But in God's great love, Jesus Messiah took the punishment that we deserved and said on the cross, it is finished. The cross was feared for its power. Death is feared for its finality, but not anymore. The cross for the follower of Jesus is the symbol of life because the cross is empty. Sins defeated, death 
defeated. The devil defeated because death could not hold Jesus down. Good Friday is because a man, a good man, the Son of God who died now lives. Because on Sunday when we gather together, we say together, He is risen. Jesus was raised to life, never to die again, raised from death into eternal life. And he died in the place of Barabbas, and he died in the place of you, and he died in the place of me for all our sins, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that rebels could have peace with God, and so that he would send his spirit to be with us, to bring life-transforming grace. As we heard from Tani earlier, the change that knowing Jesus makes moves us into a space where we can become his agents of love in this world, the kind of world that you and I want to live in. When we make a decision for Jesus Messiah, he helps us and enables us to be people of peace and to be people of love and to be people of justice. And so today I say to you, this is the choice before us. You decide. You decide. Is Jesus a liar? Is Jesus a lunatic? Or is he Lord? In the words of the author C.S. Lewis, and I quote from his book in Mere Christianity, he said this, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on the level with a man who calls himself a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. But you must make a choice Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Seems obvious to me, says Lewis, that he was neither lunatic nor a liar, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. May that be your decision for Jesus today. Let me lead us in prayer. Father God, we thank you that your word assures us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that you've raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For those of us who are walking with Jesus, affirm us in this faith. For those of us who need to make a decision today to rekindle our relationship with Jesus, strengthen us for the path ahead. And for those of us today who make a decision for Jesus, enable us to know the depths of your love for us in his sacrifice for us that brings forgiveness with you and strengthen us to walk with him all our days. Forgive us our sins. Please help us, we pray. And thank you for sending Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. It is in his name we pray.